Thank you for listening to the Abundant Life Sermon Podcast. Abundant Life is based out of Lee Summit, Missouri and has campuses throughout the Kansas City metro area and online. We want to see your life changed by Jesus. For more information about Abundant Life or for locations and service times, visit livingproof.co. Thanks for listening. Good morning, church. Here we go. Psalm chapter 23. Open your Bible, please. Uh, Word of God, Psalm chapter 23, one of the most famous chapters in the entire Bible. Psalm chapter 23, we're in a series called Names. We're studying the names of God. Now listen, God has many names in Scripture because He is infinite, which means no one name can capture the essence of who He is. And so in the Word of God, He reveals Himself, His attributes, His divine qualities through His names. That's why we're studying here the names of God leading up to the name above every name that is named, the name Jesus, which we're going to be doing as we get closer and closer to Christmas. Now, you realize names don't mean a lot today. We've said this before. Uh, Your name may not be that descriptive of who you are. I've shared my last name, Hopper, doesn't really describe who I am. It means dancer. If I were going to dance... It would go something like this, okay? I'm just <laughs> child of the 80s, all right? But we're not going there today. All right, Philip is my name, my given name. Most of you know me as Phil, but uh, it was my mom and dad that called me Philip. My sisters still call me Philip. They are the only ones in the world that call me Philip. Philip is Greek. I'm not Greek. Philip means lover of horses. Now, church, I don't hate horses. Don't be mad at me if you love horses. I like horses. I occasionally ride horses, but I don't love horses. See, it's not really descriptive at all of who I am. Now, I have the cowboy boots. I went through the cowboy boot phase. So when I rode a horse, I could at least look kind of like, you know, I know what I'm doing. I looked the part, but but I don't own a cow and I don't often ride horses. You see, it doesn't really describe who I am. But when God describes who he is, his names mean something. They really do. They're very descriptive. And so today I want you to see this name in Psalm 23. It reveals God's name, Yahweh Rohi, the Lord my shepherd, Yahweh being the personal name of God. He's more than Elohim, God our creator. He is Yahweh, the God of the covenant, the God that wants to come near, the God that wants to know you and be near to you, the God that redeems you. And I want you to know that often that name then will have another title or name on the end. In this case, Yahweh Roy, the Lord my shepherd, and we're going to see today in Psalm 23, that name revealed right now. Psalm 23 in verse 1, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Now you may not know anything about the Bible, but I bet you have heard somewhere along the way this chapter. In fact, you may not have tried to memorize this chapter, but I'll bet you can even quote some of it. If you've ever been to a funeral, you probably have heard it. The Lord is my shepherd. This is written by King David almost a thousand years B.C. And most of you know that King David, before he was a king, was a shepherd. And so he understands a lot about shepherding and shepherding sheep. And he writes a psalm, and he gives God that attribute that the Lord is my shepherd. Now, as a king, he was still a shepherd. Listen carefully. If you're a leader of any kind, guess what that makes you? That makes you a shepherd of people. You see, the Bible reveals that people are like sheep, not cattle. And if you try to lead people like cattle, they will scatter. 
See, I've known a little bit about cowboying. I don't know a lot about cowboying, but my granddad was a farmer in southern Missouri, and every once in a while growing up, it'd be roundup day, and you know, all the grand boys would come together, and it was just kind of a fun day, and the men did most of the work, but we all got a little bit of a job, and we'd get behind them cattle, and we'd drive them cattle from behind, and you know, ha, 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 you know, and you'd just yell at them, and you know, they would, you know, you know, start to run, and you know, you kind of push them from behind, get them where you want to go, but see, you don't do that with sheep right? You push sheep from behind, they just scatter. And God's trying to tell us that people are not like cattle. People are like sheep. Guess what the world needs more of? We need more shepherds and less cowboys. (laughs) The church needs more shepherds and fewer cowboys. You think about it, everybody wants to be a cowboy. Like uh, there are people who dress like cowboys that have never ridden a horse and they don't own a cow. But stores are everywhere. You can go and buy cowboy outfit. You can buy your cowboy boots, cowboy hat. Even I got the cowboy boots, even though I was never really a cowboy, just a season I was going through. But think about it. There's nowhere you can go to buy a shepherd's outfit. There's not too many people want to walk around in shepherd's shoes. Now, I had a pair of Birkenstocks once. That's the closest I've ever come to it, Okay. But I'm trying to say, the, the world wants to be cowboys. You can go to you know, the Western stores and buy cowboy clothes, but you can't find any stores and buy shepherd clothes because shepherds aren't cool. Cowboys are cool. And I'm trying to say the world needs more shepherds and fewer cowboys. Listen, if you're a mother, guess what that makes you? You're not a cowgirl, you're a shepherd. <laughs> if you're a father, guess what that makes you? Yeah, not a cowboy, you're a shepherd. You know, the Bible says the word pastor is the same word as shepherd, like I am a shepherd of people, but check this out. You may not have the title pastor, but you're still called to be a shepherd. If you're a fusion group leader, what does that make you? It makes you a shepherd of people. If you're a church house leader, guess what that makes you? You're a shepherd of people. If you're a small group leader at Abundant Life, guess what that makes you? You're a shepherd of people. Every single one of us are called to shepherd people's souls. You see, not cowboys, not cowgirls, but shepherds. That's why we need a shepherd, because we're all called to be a shepherd, and every shepherd needs a shepherd. And you have David here who says, as a shepherd, the Lord is my shepherd. And it's important you understand that he has a role in your life as the shepherd of your soul while you're called to shepherd other people's soul. And it might be right now that you're taking somebody through discipleship. A few weeks ago, about 500 people in our church got trained in our new discipleship material. And you understand as a disciple of Christ, you're called to make disciples of Christ. There's no such thing as a disciple that isn't making disciples. But while somebody's shepherding your soul, you're called now to shepherd somebody else's soul. You can see why the Bible says that we're called to be shepherds, but as you shepherd others, you need to recognize that it's God who shepherds you. And I want you to know, this is why now David writes this psalm. Probably, a lot of scholars believe this was later in his life, uh, at a time where he's no longer shepherding sheep, he's shepherding a nation. And he's under probably intense uh, duress, maybe lots of stress. This could be a time of his life before he was coronated king that he was running for his life. He'd been already told by Samuel that he's going to be the next king and he's been anointed as king. But the current king, Saul, uh, he doesn't like the idea that another king's coming behind him and he's throwing spears at him and trying to kill him. We don't know for sure, but probably at a time of great difficulty and stress and duress, he thinks back 
to the earlier days of his life when he used to simply shepherd his father's sheep, and he realized that God is my shepherd. Now, we know who the fulfillment of Psalm 23 is. When we think about the Lord our shepherd, the Lord my shepherd, Yahweh Rohi, we know that Jesus is the fulfillment of Psalm 23 because a thousand years after David, Jesus would say these words in John 10 verse 11, I am the good shepherd, the good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. And Jesus, you see, wants to be the shepherd of your soul. He wants to be the shepherd of your life. And Psalm 23 tells us exactly what that looks like. And I have to tell you, church, when the Bible calls people sheep, it is not a compliment. Like, it is so not complimentary. It's truthful, but it is not complimentary at all. And I want to give you three ways. When you think about sheep and you think about people, why God indeed knows that sheep are like people. All right, first of all, number one is this, like sheep, people stink. (laughs) I told you, it's not complimentary. Yeah, you look at a flock of sheep from a distance, they look clean and white and pristine, but then you get up near them and walk among them. Guess what? Sheep stink. It's kind of like people. You look at people from a distance, and you're on Instagram or Facebook, and they look like they got the perfect life, and they're clean and pristine, and, you know, Thanksgiving, and all the kids are cheering and smiling. Yeah, five minutes before, the house was chaos, and everybody was mad. Nobody was talking to each other. You see, from a distance, people may look one way, but the reality is you get up close, and we're all going through the same stuff because we're all made of the same stuff. And check this out. To God, sin stinks. Turn to somebody right now and just say, you're stinky. Go ahead right now. You're stinky. Yeah, and I'll look at them and go back at you. Yeah, because sin stinks to a holy, righteous God. Understand God is righteous. That means he is sinless. And to a holy, righteous God, all sin stinks. It's bad. <laughs> now, you knew I had to do that at least once today, Okay. Yeah, it stinks bad, bad. It's like, it stinks, right? As a matter of fact, it says in Romans 3.10, there is none righteous, no, not one. There's not one person that's not a stinky person. Sin stinks. Uh, It says in Isaiah 64 and verse 6 that our righteousness to God is as filthy rags. Meaning compared to God, on our very best day, like when we're really having a Jesus day, and you know, I haven't lost my temper one time, and I haven't let one word slip that shouldn't have, and you know, I'm acting selfless instead of selfish. I mean, on my very best day compared to God, my righteousness, my good works is as filthy rags, stinky rags. See, all sin stinks. Like sheep, all people stink. But aren't you glad God loves stinky people? He does. He's a shepherd that loves his sheep. All right, now the second thing is this. Like sheep, people get lost without intending to get lost. Jesus in Luke 15, hey, a very, very famous parable. He tells the parable of the lost sheep as the shepherd. He's revealing himself as a shepherd who's come after his father's lost sheep. And this is the parable, of course, where he talks about the shepherd that leaves the 99 to go after the one, right? And he's sharing the heart of God when it comes to just one soul, just one person, the value God puts on the one. That like God doesn't just see masses of humanity. 
and he's satisfied with all those that have been saved and come to him already. No, he's still going after the one, and that's the parable of the lost sheep. And this, the sheep has wandered off and got lost, and the nature of sheep is they get lost without intending to get lost. And that's the nature of people. People get lost without intending to get lost. They didn't mean to get lost. You didn't intend to go there with your life. You just did. It's kind of like uh, when, when you end up eating at Denny's. You didn't intend to go there. That wasn't your original plan at all. You just ended up there. You don't know how. That's what I was thinking last time I ate at Denny's. I didn't mean to go here. I wasn't planning on going here. But somehow I got here. And that's kind of how people are. Like nobody intends to wake up one day and ruin their life, do they? No little girl wakes up one day and thinks to herself, you know what, I hope one day that I have that reputation in school, that you know, I'm that girl that all the guys talk about and I have that reputation and no, no one thinks that way. No little girl thinks, I wanna be a prostitute when I grow up. No little boy thinks, you know what, I wanna be a meth addict when I get big. Nobody thinks that way. Nobody gets out of bed one morning and says, you know what, I think today I'm going to commit the sin of adultery. I haven't committed that one. Today's the day. I'm going to commit that one. No one thinks that way. It's just one step at a time. One step going the wrong direction. Take another step still going the wrong direction. You didn't intend to get lost, but now you're lost because that one step taking you that direction ends in a destination you never dreamed it would. People are like sheep. They get lost without intending to get lost. And check this out. In Luke chapter 15, when Jesus tells the parable of the lost sheep, that word lost in the Greek is the same word as perish. You see, a lost sheep is a dead sheep. Romans 6, 23, the wages of sin is death. It always leads to death and destruction. You see, sin doesn't simply make you bad. It makes you dead. Dead. And that's why God leaves the 99 to go after the one because a lost sheep will always end up being a dead sheep. Number three is this, like sheep, people are defenseless apart from a shepherd. In John chapter 10, as Jesus reveals himself as the good shepherd, the fulfillment of Psalm 23 and verse one, that shepherd, he says these words, there's a wolf that is coming. He describes Satan as a predator and wolves love sheep, wolves love to to prey on sheep. And did you know that sheep are defenseless without a shepherd? Think about this for a moment. They have no sharp teeth to fight back with. They don't have fangs. They're not scary. They can't scare their enemies. Uh, they can't fight. They, they don't bite. They, they have no sharp claws. They don't even have an ability to run away. They're not very fast. They have short legs. Think about it, they're defenseless. Not only that, they're covered in Velcro, which means anything that grabs them to eat them has something to hang on to. The one thing sheep have going for them as a defense is they are a flocking uh, type of species, meaning they will flock together for safety. Now, if indeed the body of Christ is the flock and Jesus is our shepherd, then if I'm you, I don't want to be on the outside of the flock. Like, I want to be on the inside of the flock, because there is a wolf coming. You understand, Satan is a predator. He's called a wolf, and 1 Peter 5.8 calls him a lion. 
Be sober, be vigilant, for the devil your adversary goeth about as a roaring lion seeking who he may devour. Yes, Satan is on the prowl, and you are his prey. You are on the list of things that he wants to have for lunch. He wants to devour you and destroy you. Jesus said in John 10 and verse 10, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Now listen very carefully. If we are in fact sheep, and God sees the church as his flock, then you understand understand, whatever sheep is on the outside of that flock is the one that's most vulnerable to the enemy, to the adversary. If you're so low, if you're that sheep that's wandered away, you're the first one the adversary is coming to, to make a lunch out of you. I want you to understand, this is why we talk so much at church about taking your next step, taking your next step. Because every church has circles. I tell everyone that comes to our first step, that's our little meet and greet we do every single month for new families, just a chance to meet people personally. I tell them every single month, every church has circles. This circle is where everybody begins, this big circle. And it doesn't matter the size of the church, large or small. This big circle out here is what I call the crowd. And you're on kind of the exterior, you're kind of coming and going anonymity, nobody really knows you. You understand if you're here, God wants you to take your next step. So you go here, 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 and eventually you're right in the center of the action. I'm talking right in the middle of the flock of God. Don't stay on the outside. That's where you're easy for the enemy. I want to be on the inside. Take your next step. And get on the inside of the flock, not just on the outside of the flock, because like sheep, people are defenseless apart from a shepherd. And that is why every shepherd needs a shepherd. A shepherd was there to protect that flock from the wolf that would come and devour them. Now I want you to see how Jesus is the perfect fulfillment of Psalm 23 as our shepherd, the good shepherd. In Psalm 23... I want you to see three things about Jesus. Number one, Jesus is our peace. He is our peace. And this is what David says about his shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. And this is what he's now teaching you about your shepherd. The Lord, your shepherd. Look at what it says in Psalm 23, verse 1. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want... Now, this is a little bit fuzzy in English as you go from ancient Hebrew to English. What he's saying here is, is, I, is it's not that I'm going to get everything I want... <laughs> No, no, no. What he is saying, though, I'll have everything I need. In other words, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want for anything that I need. My shepherd is going to take care of my every need. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall lack for nothing I need. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. I want you to notice what he says. First of all, he leads me into peaceful places. Uh, he leads me beside the still waters. He makes me lie down in green pastures. You start to get this picture in your mind's eye of this beautiful like mountain wildflowers and sheep and tranquility and it's peaceful. He leads me beside the still waters. You know why he does that? Because sheep are so dumb. I mean, they are so dumb. They will actually try to drink, think of white water, raging water. And according to Philip Keller, who wrote a book, a devotional commentary 
on this very passage, Psalm 23. He is a shepherd, a professional shepherd. And according to him, sheep will actually wade into rushing white water to take a drink, and the water weighs them down in their wool, and they will drown themselves. That's how dumb they are. But this shepherd leads them besides the still waters, tranquil waters, and these green pastures. See, the, he knows where the food is. He knows where the green pastures are. And that's why the flock is always on the move. And the shepherd is leading them to that green pastures and that green field and this place of tranquility, this place that is peaceful. He, he wants to lead them to a place that is peace. And he does that a couple ways. First of all, the shepherd feeds us. Notice it says, he makes me lie down in green pastures. Uh, he, he's feeding them. He's, he's taking them, taking care of them. Guess what your shepherd says to you? He makes you a promise. Philippians 4.19, my God shall supply all my needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Matthew 6.33, seek you first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things, all of your needs, will be added unto you. This is the promise the good shepherd made in John chapter 10, verse 9. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. See, he's promising to feed you, to take care of you, and, and, and meet the needs that you have in your life. Not all of your wants but certainly all of your needs. And I want you to notice, he, he, he is a shepherd that leads us into a life of peace. First of all, because he feeds us. And the other reason is because he leads us. The shepherd leads us. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me lie down in green pastures. He leads me besides the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me to paths of righteousness twice, we're told the shepherd leads his flock. Now, here's the reality. This is what makes him a shepherd. There's a trust there. Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice and they follow me. John 10, 27, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. See, cattle don't do that. I used to hear my dad, my granddad call the cattle and they, they knew his voice and and he would bang on the side of the truck, and he could call the cattle, but they, 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 were, they, they were coming because they knew uh, that there was, there was a payoff for them when they got there. There was no relationship there. Like, he didn't name his cattle. I don't know some of you cowboys, yeah, I know you named some of your cattle. I, I, I get that. Okay, don't send me an email. I understand. But the shepherd is different. The, the, the shepherd doesn't push his cattle from behind. He leads them from the front. They know his voice. See, it implies a relationship there. It implies a trust between the shepherd and the sheep. There's a familiarity. That's why Jesus says, my sheep hear my voice and they follow me. Jesus is not behind you pushing you. Take your next step. He doesn't have a bull whip. Whip, take your next step or else. No, no. He wants to get in front because you trust him. You want to follow him wherever he's leading you. And listen very carefully. The truth is, Jesus is a much better leader of our life than we are leaders of our life. I mean, you may think you're a good leader for your life. I understand you may be doing a good job right now, and you feel like, well, I'm doing a pretty good job leading myself. Just give yourself time. Just give yourself time. 
The wage of sin always leads to the same place. It always leads to destruction. It may take 20 years. Just give yourself time. I'm just trying to say I have been there. And there's a reason it says he leads us into paths of righteousness because we're walking in paths of unrighteousness will always lead eventually to our destruction. You see, Jesus is a shepherd of our life. He's a better leader for your life than you are, I promise you. I saw this little video. I thought, you know what, this, this reminds me of me. It may remind you of you if you're honest. All right, be honest. Have you ever thought, I can't believe I did this again. I knew better than this. I can't believe I, got, I did it again. How did I get here again? Look, every person has been through that. I'm trying to tell you that's why we need a shepherd. Yes, he's willing to pull you out again, get you unstuck again. But now he wants to lead you so you don't get stuck again in that same sin over and over and over again. See, Jesus is our peace, and listen, in a world of chaos, I want you to remember your peace is not in a pill. Your peace is not in prosperity, your popularity, your prestige. Your peace is not in your situation, your circumstances that are always changing of instability and uncertainty. Your peace, you see, is in a person, and that person is Jesus And here's a promise he makes for you. Whatever you're going through, he makes this promise to you. These things I have spoken to you that in me you may have, everybody say it, peace. In the world you will have tribulation. But be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. I'm trying to tell you that if you have peace with God through the Lord Jesus Christ, you can have the peace of God. In this age of anxiety, I'm telling you where anxiety is an all-time high. Fear, insecurity, worry. Listen, we all struggle with anxiety. There are times I have profound anxiety because of things I cannot control, no matter how much I want to control. You know where anxiety comes from? Being a control freak. We all have problems with control. We want to control our lives. But the older you get and the longer you live, the more you realize you have no control. It's an illusion. And when you don't have control, you naturally feel anxiety over things you can't control. You know what God's trying to teach you? Trust him. Peace is in him. He is your shepherd. He will take care of you. And if today everything is not okay, just hang on. Because in the end, it has a happy ending. Just hang on. You're not without hope. It's not the end of the story. Just hang on. You have everything you need. All right, number two is this. Jesus is our protection. He's our peace. He is our protection. Look at what it says now, verse 4. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff They comfort me. Now, the valley of the shadow of death is a real valley. It is a real place. It's a place I've been uh, in our trips to the Holy Land. This is what is known as the valley of the shadow of death. And as David wrote these words, he would have been writing it about this very valley, a place that he knew well. Because at the end of this valley was a well-known watering hole, an ancient watering hole. It is still there. 
And shepherds would have used it for generations, even millennia. But to get to that watering hole, you had to pass through this valley, and it's called the Valley of the Shadow of Death. Now, pictures, in this case, uh, you know, pictures are worth a thousand words. No, in this case, pictures can't begin to tell you what is actually there. It just is. Like when you go to the Rocky Mountains, you take pictures. It's amazing. You try to show the pictures to your friends after the trip is over. It's like, it just doesn't do it justice. It's one of those times, like, there's no way I can show you the steep nature of this valley. See, it's called the Valley of the Shadow of Death because the sides are so steep, and the valley is so deep that the valley floor only gets direct sun just maybe 10, 15 minutes a day when the sun is directly overhead. And the rest of the day, because the sun is moving, there's all types of shadows on the valley floor, and those shadows are always moving. And because it's such a narrow gorge, uh, it was an easy place for ambush. It might have been, you know, when David killed the bear and David killed the lion, really good chance, don't know for sure that it was in this very place, because it was the kind of place where predators uh, could set up an ambush for that which they wanted to prey. It's a very dangerous place for bandits and robbers and people passing through because it was full of crevices and caves and places that they could hide. He says, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. I mean, this would have been a fearful place to walk through because danger could be anywhere and you couldn't see it coming. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Do you understand that every single one of us are walking through the valley of the shadow of death daily? Because danger is everywhere, and we can't always see it coming, and you can't always control everything, so it has the immediate happy ending. Yet he says what? I will fear no evil because you are with me. He's with us, and greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. He says, your rod and your staff they comfort me. You see, the shepherd fights for us. The shepherd fights for us. The shepherd feeds us. He leads us. He fights for us. And this is what Jesus reveals in John 10, 11. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. 2,000 years ago, Jesus fought for us. He walked up a hill called Calvary. He did battle for you and me. And he was not afraid to bleed. He laid down his life on the field of battle, fighting for us. And because he died, he was willing to give us life. You see, he is a God, a shepherd that fights for us in the same way a shepherd fights for his sheep. David told the story to King Saul about how he delivered the lamb from the mouth of the lion. And that is exactly in some way what he's done for you, delivered you from the mouth of the lion. I'm talking about Satan because he fights for you. Now I want you to see the reality, the hireling Jesus said. He was speaking of the Pharisees the religious leaders of the time, but the hireling, he who is not the shepherd, the one who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and flees. Now you know why I say we need more cowboys and less cowboys and more shepherds in the body of Christ. You're not a hireling. You're not for hire. I'm not for hire. Understand something. As your pastor, this is not a career. This is a calling. This is not a profession. And we need to look at all those people we lead in that very same way. They're not human beings, or they're, they're, they're human resources versus human beings. And that's the nature of a shepherd. It's how he sees people. 
And this is what Jesus is revealing, the way he sees you, you are worth fighting for, that you are worth laying your life down for. I want you to notice the shepherd has both a rod and a staff to protect the sheep. David said, I find great comfort in my shepherd. He has a rod and a staff. They comfort me. Now, what is that? This picture of the shepherd's, you know, the shepherd had a long stick with a hook on the end, right? So the crooked end, the hooked end, was called the staff. Uh, The straight end was called the rod. He says, the rod and the staff, they comfort me. I find security in them. And here's the reason why. Listen carefully. The rod protects us from our enemies. The staff protects us from ourselves. So what would happen when, say, a wolf would come and uh, try to prey on the flock? Well, that shepherd would flip his stick around, and uh, he would hold it from the crooked end, and then he'd go Jedi Knight, right? I mean, you know, this thing was probably eight feet long, and he knew how to wield it as a weapon. Thy rod and thy staff, they, they comfort me. And I want you to see the reality. He would use it against the enemies of the sheep, as the rod, and he would swing the rod. But the staff, the crooked end, what would he do? He'd use that to rescue that lamb that had wandered off. He'd use that to rescue that sheep that had wandered off, gotten himself in a dangerous situation out there on the edge of a cliff somewhere, and he, he would hook that lamb and, and pull it to him. You see, the staff protects us from our enemies. <laughs> The rod, I should say. The staff protects us from ourselves. I'm glad I have a God that's protected me from myself at times in my life. Times I've needed rescued because I had wandered off. There's an old hymn. The old hymn writer, man, he understands all of us. Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love, yes. Like my heart, my heart, guys, listen. I feel my heart growing cold almost daily. My heart wants to wander off so quickly, so easily. Aren't you glad that you have a shepherd that's not going to let you wander off? And when you do, he's there to rescue you, pull you back to safety. Now, I cannot confirm this is true. Like, have you ever been listening to a sermon? Some preacher's preaching, and your BP, mat, your BP meter goes up. BP, it stands for bullpucky. There are preacher stories around that, man, my BP meter, meter is like going on, like, man, I'm calling BP on that. Nah, it can't be true. They're all preacher stories, like preachers pass them around for generations because they preach well, they illustrate well, they're just not true. Okay, so I've heard, I've heard preachers preach that in the ancient days, an ancient shepherd would eventually break the leg of, of a lamb or sheep that would wander off. And this is why in Luke 15, you have that shepherd that went after the one, he puts it on his shoulder. The reason why is it can't walk. He's broken the leg. And the next month or six weeks, while that leg is mending, he's carrying it around. See, he's building trust. I, mean, I cannot confirm that is true. Uh, Philip Keller in his book, that's the only source I can find that is actually true. Somebody says it is. I don't know if it's true. I don't know if ancient shepherds would actually break the leg of a wandering sheep or not. But I know God, our shepherd, does. 
In Genesis 32, you had Jacob that ran from God. He wrestled with God all of his life. And in Genesis 32, he is wrestling with God again, the pre-incarnate Jesus Christ. And you have Jesus, the pre-incarnate living God, reach down and strikes his hip, strikes his thigh. He breaks his leg so he can no longer run. He can no longer wrestle. For the rest of his life, he will limp and lean. Do you understand? That is exactly where God wants you. Listen, you can't see my limp, but I'll promise there's been two or three times in my adult life that my shepherd had to break a leg. So I would not keep wandering off. And like Jacob, there are areas of my life I will limp and never forget to lean on the shepherd. Do you understand that's exactly what he wants for you? Because he wants what's best for you. Listen, if he breaks your leg, it's not punitive. He's not trying to punish you. He loves you, and he wants you to learn to stay near to the G Jesus, to stay near your shepherd. Learning, don't trust yourself at all, but trust God completely. Number three is this, Jesus is our provision. He is our peace. He's our protection. He's our provision. Look at what David says. You prepare the table, a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. I want you to notice the imagery. David is probably running from his enemies right now. We don't know the time in his life. It might have been from King Saul, might have been the Philistines. At one point, he's even running from his own son, Absalom, that wants to kill him. He is saying, God, even in the face of warfare, you give me rest. Even in times of war, you give me rest. Even in the face of my enemies, you prepare a table for me. You anoint my head with oil. Oil in the word of God is a symbol of the spirit of God. Notice his cup is running over. Even in times of scarcity, Jesus, you are my provision. He says these words, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That is an ancient Hebrews way of saying, I will go to heaven forever. I will dwell in the presence of God forever. And the reason we can say that is because Jesus feeds us, our shepherd leads us, he fights for us and because he bleeds for us. And this is what Jesus would say in John 10. Then Jesus said to them, Most assuredly I say to you, I am the door of the sheep, or the sheepfold. In the ancient days, a shepherd would put all of his sheep in a sheepfold at night to protect them from the enemy, from the adversary. And they would literally lay down in the door of the sheepfold. They were saying, Over my dead body, Will any wolf come into the sheepfold to devour the wolf? And that's what Jesus was saying. I am the door of the sheepfold. If you want to be a part of God's flock, you must come through me. And over my dead body, will I lose any of my sheep? And that's exactly what Jesus did. He gave his body to be bruised and bloodied. Jesus would die to give life to you and I. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. Jesus is the shepherd who came as a man to die for our sin as a sacrificial lamb. And I've asked this question over and over again. Every single week, I want you to have some introspection to define your destination. Have you placed your faith in him to dwell in his house 
forever. David took comfort in knowing the end, the destination. I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Will you dwell in the house of the Lord forever? Have you placed your faith in the blood of the Lamb of God, the shepherd who came as one of the sheep, a man to die as a sacrificial lamb? But three days later, he rose again. Jesus, I pray for every single person this day that not one among us would miss the opportunity to define their forever, to define their eternity. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you give Jesus the glory today? Praise him, would you? Thanks for joining us today. If you enjoyed today's podcast, be sure and subscribe and share with a friend. We hope today's message inspired and challenged you. Let's go be living proof of a loving God to a watching world. For more information about Abundant Life, visit livingproof.co or follow us on social media at Abundant Life LS.